Hello, it's Todd here on Summer Valley FM. I'm at the Museum Bath at work in here in Bath. I'm again with Stuart. Stuart, thank you very much for having me back here. Very welcome. Yeah, um, Stuart, so how have you been since I last seen you in May? Because it's been a couple of months now. <laughs> well, when you came first, I think the museum had been open for a week. So we were a bit nervous as to how the summer was going to go. But in fact... Um, Touch wood. I am. I'm touching wood at this moment. <laughs> Quite literally there. Things are things are going very well, and in fact, we're our attendances and our income is back up to 2019's levels. And in fact, this is the first year ever where I've not compared this year's performance with the previous year. <laughs> <laughs> can't imagine with the, why with the year before the previous year <laughs> anyway but uh, the, thank you for asking all this seems to be running to schedule yeah and it's another sunny day as I've come in it's yeah. the second time it's been sunny I've said to Laura on my previous well, interview <laughs> sunny weather cuts both ways of course if it's too sunny People will stay out of indoor attractions altogether. Yeah, which is, where it's nice and cool. We're down in the uh, the archives room at the moment, and I have to admit, I think this is the first time I've been in an archives room. I've, even though we have our own archives at the moment, but I've not actually been inside. No. So this is a first for me. That's, well, I mean, I suppose museums do two things, really. They're, they're sort of two organisations at once. On the one hand, you know, we're presenting all the information and hopefully educating people um, in an entertaining way but we have also the museums have also got like a treasure house function we've got to look after things because we look after things on behalf of all you people out there um, we hold them on trust for you and it's from them that we make the exhibitions so we, we you know we need to have a store where all our interesting things are kept that are not always on permanent display but we try to rotate them which is sometimes described in the museum world as churn, as <laughs> um, putting things out from the store and taking things off exhibition. I'm sure you're familiar with the, with the principle, at least. Oh, at least um, yeah. Because there's no point us having these things if we don't use them. No, of course not. No. Uh, and the collections include objects, photographs we've got lots of photographs thousands of photographs and we've, we've got even more slides if, if your listeners remember 35 <laughs> mil slides you know those old uh, people used to take holiday snaps on color slide we've got tens of thousands of those uh, we've got moving film uh, we've got lots of research notes and documents and books we're surrounded by groaning shelves of books yeah. we've also got recorded interviews we've got about 500 recorded interviews with people yeah then the recorded interviews you've got which is going to lead up to our main subject of this interview is that you've got a new exhibition coming up which is going to involve lots of local well all the local people of bath and beyond but it's out there well i mean we we the museum opened in 1978 and around about or shortly before then portable recording equipment had become cheap so as opposed to this phone, which I'm <laughs> speaking into, you know, people were, were small cassettes, recorders were, became available. And it was possible for you to, without having to lug some heavy suitcase full of technology to somebody's house, you could turn up at someone's home and or anywhere for that matter, and record an interview with them about their lives in, a, in what became known as 
oral history, which is a bit like what I'm doing now, you know, yeah, being interviewed, it, asked questions. It's changed. Um, <laughs> so, but the only, the only real difference is in, in those days, you could only record 45 minutes before the tape ran out. Yeah. <laughs> you had to turn it over. Uh, but that's, you know, that's the ancient technology we used yeah. to use. But the people we, who we were interviewing, or rather the museum was interviewing in the 1980s, you know, they could remember the end of the 19th century seems hard to believe you know mm. they could certainly remember reliably back to the first world war anyway lots of museums did this and we've continued to do it um, you know there's now huge amounts of recorded archive out there um, but you know it struck us during the dreaded lockdown that it would be nice to interview people about their working lives now. So not talking to them about their the history of their working lives, you know, with people who are retired, but talking to people of every age and saying, well, you know, tell us about your working life, if you don't mind. Um, <laughs> <Open tell, up. laughs> you know, uh, and how things have changed since the lockdown. You know, you're changing in your working practice, you're working from home, are you, you know, we're still having to wear a mask and all those kind of things, which at the moment seem very current and I'm sure people are sick of hearing about it but in 10, 20, 30, 40 or 50 years time you know that kind of contemporary recording will be priceless because you know um, people will have forgotten about I mean it's, it's, again it seems yeah, hard to believe that you can ever forget <laughs> about you know Covid and lockdown and, and all of that sanitizer and all those kinds of things but i mean there's going to come a time when that's going to be history it'll be part of history well as we were saying a bit earlier todd you know five minutes ago is part of the past yeah of course and so you know this moving target that we're trying to record which is you know the the past or the the, the, you know that we can do through recording media like 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 now voice recorder (laughs) so that's what we want to do we want to like a an audio snapshot first of all the city of bath because i think we've got modest resources here you know there's only so much we can do um and what we're hoping to do is to record a short interview with with five short questions so instead of having someone like me who just rambles on at length... No, no, at all. We, know, enjoy, we enjoy your rambling. Rambling. As well, the listeners have told me, they enjoy your rambling. So, well, by contrast then to that, there'd be five short questions and they'd be sort of punchy. Tell to us point, about your yeah. work. Tell us about how things have changed since January 2020. Um, because I think it's, it's useful... Well, what we should be doing is what museums should be doing is recording the present as well as the past. And we should be in, giving everybody an opportunity to have their say. So that's why we're going to ask the same questions of everybody. So if we interview a bank manager or a big issue seller or somebody who works in Greg's or someone who, you know, works in another tourist attraction or something like that, everyone gets to ask, gets to answer exactly the same questions. There's no difference so there's an equivalence between a bank manager and and a, and a big issue seller you know mm. there's no there's no difference in that um and it's just an opportunity for people to have their say because it's been a tricky time yeah. you know i mean to say to say the very least and probably it's circumstances in the work uh, sphere that haven't been experienced for a hundred years yeah so we'll be right back with more with Stuart um just after these songs
Hello, you're back on Todd's Time Travel on Summer Valley FM. I'm with Todd and I'm with Stuart here um, inside the museum, Bath at Work in Bath uh, right now. We just talked about um, Stuart's new exhibition coming up in the museum, which is going to involve the local people surrounding uh, Bath. Um, and we're actually going to be talking about now um, some photographs that Stuart is now going to tell you about, which is going to be involved. Well, I mean, this idea of interviewing 50 people is part of a rolling project, which is called all day long so it's about what people do well but you know most of us do most of the time we just work for a living whether that's paid or unpaid mm. you know? and so there's going to be a recording about that and then we're going to have a professional photographer take their portrait in their workplace so there'll be a photograph uh, of bank manager or the big issue seller or the milkman or whoever it happens to be and they'll be in their workplace with what they do to make their living so it'll be a really high quality visual exhibition and then the plan is at some point is to make the recordings that go with each photograph accessible via a QR code a QR square which will be on each photograph. So you'll be able to access the interview for each yeah. portrait through your mobile phone. Which That's still the idea. I mean, so many people are probably used to using QR codes now, aren't they? <laughs> I think... Checking in, checking out, doing all this. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, again, you know, coming back to the dreaded COVID, you know, we're, you know that the, the app and the track and trace and things. So I think perhaps these things have become more commonplace. Yeah. But I think it would be a way of... Instead of having every recording playing over loudspeakers and driving people, you know, you can't even listen bonkers, to it all the time. Yeah, you'd, you'd only listen to you'd only need to listen to one. So yeah. if there was a milkman, you wanted to hear what he was talking about, or a, you know, as I say, someone working in a bank. I don't yeah, know. that would be the that she said <laughs> and, and then, I mean, uh, it, it it seems to me, you know, although the museum is is about working life in Bath, I mean, this is something that. It could be extended right out beyond the city. Yeah, it, it's something that other museums can pick up. But there's, there's, it's always important that even though you keep, we keep saying that history is important to remember, mm. but it's also important to remember the people who are living now and yeah. and, and preserving that memory. Well, for the exactly. next generation, the next generation. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, what what's the present now will be, be the history later on. Ancient I history mean, in a hundred years' time. I mean, especially through you know in the nineteen twenties and all that. You know that. For that, for some of us, that's ancient history. But now COVID, you, you give that well, 60 years, and that'll yeah. be... I mean, it, pr providing we're still here, you know, there are still people around in 100 years' time, touch wood again, you know, <laughs> th th this will be an important snapshot about the history. Yeah, I mean, so you and me will be recorded in time, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll be like, I remember Todd, he never left the city of Bath. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. These recordings of yours will be part of the, you know... They'll the be part of history, and they'll, they'll, they'll live forever on my phone. Yeah, yeah well, something. <laughs> Like that, yeah, well, I could try. I could do my best. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the plan. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be like a recording in sound and vision, you might say. Yeah. Like that David Bowie song. Yeah, which um, I, I, as listeners will know, I've played plenty of his music on okay. my show. Um, so yeah, there'll be a picture, and there'll be there'll be the interview. Yeah. Well, that, that's good. So it's good. And when's this exhibition meaning to start? Well, it'll be next year now. I mean, everything is sort of delayed and, as it is uh, always you know but it'll be i think we're going to start tracking down the target 
representatives. <laughs> it's like sort of an assassination, you know, tracking them down. But no, I think we'll, we'll draw up a list of the 50 people because what we want to do is to make it as inclusive as possible. So we, we don't really want to leave anyone out. Of the sectors, You yeah. know, that represents, so the trade, you know, like a, a, a bricklayer or a gardener or something. Maker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you, you start making a lift of different trades. And it gets it long. It goes on and on. So I, so that's why I describe this as a rolling program because um, I, I, you know, we could keep interviewing and photographing people and go on and on. Yeah, and you'd on. be you would be here for a long time. That's for <laughs> yeah, sure. but I mean, as I say, that's what we do. That's our, that's our job. Cool. I will be right back with more with me and Stuart after these songs. Hello, you're back on uh, Todd's Time Travel on Summer Valley FM. Uh, you're with Todd and Stuart in the museum bath at work. Now, um, Stuart is actually going to tell you something very fascinating that we didn't talk about last time we were here, which is that the original building, as you may think, so not all museums were museums when they became museums. <laughs> at some point they had to be something else, and this particular building was actually a tennis court which uh, I am looking at a model of it right now. And um, where we were previously, we were at the, at the basement from the mm-hmm. looks of it. Yeah, so we were almost on the ground level, uh, but now there, there's two floors in the museum. But um, Stuart's going to give you a bit more information than I can, because I'm eager to listen and learn. <laughs> well, um, the museum's in what is a very unusual sort of building. Um, there aren't very many of them about. Tennis is a game that used to be played indoors exclusively on a court that's rather like a long thin squash court (laughs) so it's a three when it when the this building was constructed it was a rectangular room three stories high with a roof and you played on the the floor at the bottom the, the court bounce the ball off the wall as well as off the floor just like squash the trouble with these courts is they're big they're really big this one this building is 130 feet long and it's 50 feet wide Uh, and it's about 70 feet high it cost a fortune to build very few people when in the 18th century it was constructed played real tennis and the people who built it thought it was going to be a runaway success and it was a runaway disaster because it cost so much to build they never recouped the costs so it was converted into a warehouse, which is why, if you come to the museum now, as Todd was saying, there are three floors. The museum's laid out across three floors of this historic building. Uh, and in the 1970s, uh, the city council, who, Bath City Council, who owned the building, were looking for a tenant. Uh, and I think they found it quite difficult to think of someone who could occupy a building <laughs> that was as big as this, that was, that was also listed. So you couldn't start punching holes oh, into it. So it's protected. You, yeah, it's protected. Yeah. So, it, so the historic fabric had to be preserved. So Oops. in 1978, when the museum was looking for the home, Bath City Council were looking for the tenant. <laughs> you know, these two organisations came happily together and the museum moved into this whopping great place um uh, where we're sat we're sat on the, at the top yeah of it on the top floor um but it is it is very it's an unusual type of building um if you've ever played lawn tennis not like it, it, no. it has very little to do with it <laughs> no, um, but opposite. i mean the as i say the, the contents are 
fascinating. Of course, yeah. Uh, world value. Yeah. Uh, and that the building itself is very unusual as What well. explains how and why? Because remember in our previous interview, you were talking about how the factory sort of moved from one end to the other, and yeah. now you've got a building on this size. It was almost an ideal then, because it's moved from like one factory location to another massive building. Well, I mean, one of the things that was a determinant was um, that, as, as we talked uh, on the last occasion we met, um, the intention of the, the Bowler factory display was it would consist of scale reconstructions of original historic rooms. And this was ideal because it's, it's massive. There's yeah. plenty of room and the rooms could be reconstructed entirely to scale and their geography reconstructed as well. So the building was ideal uh, and still is ideal. Yeah, and you get a good view from Bath as well. So, I mean, for those who, who may or may not remember, the museum is located just behind the assembly room. So if you keep going up the high street, you will eventually bump into the museum. <laughs> Hit it away. Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's a treasure gem you've got in H2A. It really is, because you've got this huge building that could and would have been used for other purposes. Well, the, I mean, I don't want to... Grind an axe here, but I mean, it does seem to me that there's a lot of 18th century buildings in Bath. You know, there are lots of terraces and fine quality Georgian architecture in the city. Mm. And this is an unusual Georgian building. It's not like a Palladian terrace or a crescent. No. But it is an unusual one. And it's very, it gets very little attention, architecturally speaking. You know, right. people will, uh, as I say, I don't want to go on and on about this, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> Make your stand. There are people who, you know, they'll, they'll, if there's a walking tour of the architecture of Bath, you know, there'll be the Royal Crescent and the Pump Room and, and all of those fine things for, for all the right reasons. But I can't see why this couldn't, shouldn't be included on those sorts it's of a Georgian tours. Ten, it's a Georgian tennis court. And, yeah, and I mean, it... It's you know, good. there are other houses and there are other museums all around the country, like English Heritage will have some, National yeah. Trust, no doubt, will have some yeah. in their houses, and they use that as a, as a perk to the house. They go, oh, we've got a, yeah. Tudor, a Tudor tennis court, or whatever. People mm. go, oh, a Tudor, you know, why is no. that any different if it's Georgian? Yeah. So, I, no, I, as I say, I mean, I, it, it, I think it deserves more attention, no, um, perhaps, when people are looking at the 18th century architecture of Bath. I think, you know, they, they'll think, oh, that's the Museum of Bath at work. It's lots of old spanners and things. But it's not. It's completely um, opposite. But, <laughs> yeah, anyway, it's, that's the old stuff. So. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll be right back with me and Stuart after these songs. <laughs> oh, you're back with Todd on Summer Valley FM on Todd's Time Travel. I'm still with Stuart at the Museum Bath at work, and we're going to be talking about the brilliant or bonkers exhibition that the museum currently has going on until the end of the year. Um... It's going to be quite relevant to what's going on now. It's what me and Stuart were just discussing. As you're probably all aware, there are now these new um, scooters going around Bath that everyone has a hate or love for them, like Marmite. <laughs> I personally don't like them. They get in my way. <laughs> but uh, Stuart will now tell you about the, uh, the current exhibition that's coming on and uh, how that all links to what I've just said. Well, thank you. Yeah, we... We've worked with members of what was called the Bath Arts Workshop, which was a sort of community arts project. Starts in the summer of 1969. So it's celebrating its 
52nd birthday. <laughs> uh, yeah, 52nd birthday. And was a pioneering organisation in things like street theatre, recycling. We were very much involved in that early awareness of environmental damage and pollution. So recycling was alternative technologies. They were very anti the motor car. They had a, a, a bike group. Um, and out of the Bath Arts Workshop came a number of things which we still sort of have these days. One was the Natural Theatre Company, which many of your listeners will be familiar with doing street theatre. One was Walcott Reclamation. If any of you remember in Walcott Street, there used to be an architectural salvage yard. Walcott Reclamation was an aspect of the recycling office of the Bath Arts Workshop. And was the, and here's a fun fact, uh, Walcott Reclamation was the first salvage yard of its kind in the country. Oh, wow. Um, the Bath Festival Fringe came out of the Bath Arts Workshop. Uh, a shop called John's Bikes, which was in Walcott Street. Um, <laughs> Walcott Street gets all the fun. Right? They had, they, that's what, that was the ground zero for all the countercultural activity in Bath in the 1970s was Walcott Street. There's a pub called the Bell Inn in Walcott Street, which was the, the epicentre of a lot of this activity. And they were, from the beginning, they were involved with things like providing Christmas meals for the elderly. Uh, they had a um, removal service. They did babysitting. Um, they had uh, Meals on Wheels. They had an architectural office. Mm. But they were principally concerned with an alternative to how Bath was operating at that time. And so these... The sort of people that they were widely portrayed as, you know, lazy, long-haired students. Or hippies. Who, yeah, <laughs> hippies who were, were never going to do anything. But in fact, you know, they were very active. They were very committed. Really? And the thing about the alternative technology and the bikes and the recycling, you know, these are things which, when they were talking about them in the early 1970s, people thought, this was real fringe, lunatic fringe. They never or, thought it was going to catch on, that's for no, sure, they, they did they? they? I mean, I think people knew about the environment, but they thought, you know... It's not important. It's not really that important. But now, you know, <laughs> these things, they're, they're front and centre, aren't they? But, mm. you know, and, and so, in a way, these organisations, they were... They were before, they're 50 years before their time, yeah, you might say, yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. what they held up. And things, and we were talking about those electric scooter things. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, the, the bike department, you know, the, the Bath Arts Workshop bikes, I mean, they, they hired bikes out, you know, for next to nothing. When people weren't really cycling, because everyone was buying cars in the 60s and 70s. Anyway, the, it's the first time... The museum has ever done an exhibition with on the, on people who are still alive, really. <laughs> I mean, normally museums put on exhibitions, and they're about people who are, by and large, dead. You know, if we talk about the 19th century or the early 20th. Yeah, no one's going to be alive. This is done. an exhibition where not only will we will be concerned with people who were 
almost all alive, but they were definitely kicking as well. They, you know, I they were, might have even been a part of it. They were very much involved in how the exhibition looked, and they, uh, and the book is coming out. I suppose this is the, the, one of the things. They are, the Bath Arts Workshop, after a long and torturous process, are bringing out a book on the experiences of this wayward group of um, enthusiasts, volunteers. I mean, they weren't paid. You know, they did all these things voluntarily. They did what they believed in. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's easy to, to portray them as just, you know, feckless layabouts. Clearly not if they're doing it in their voluntary time. Well, that's right. I mean, the, the whole thing about Glastonbury and music festivals comes out of people like this because they had the outdoor music festivals in the early 70s, around about the time the first Glastonbury Festival. Yeah, yeah. So it's an important episode in the city's history. Yeah. I think the, the, the last thing I wanted to conclude on is that we briefly mentioned that the before the museum took over, yeah. Stuart's pointed out that if it hadn't won its rights to it being becoming, uh, becoming a museum, it was going to become a, a centre, was it not? Sure. Well, I mean, this is the... I mean, talk about irony, because... The museum moves into this building in 1978, but in 1974, the Bath Arts Workshop had their eyes on it to be a community arts centre. That was it. And as part of the exhibition, we have the plans that they drew up as to how this building would not be converted into uh, a museum, but it would be a community arts centre. Now, as a consequence, I felt slightly awkward when I was talking to them because oh. <laughs> I felt as though they were going, oh, we could have been in here. It's like, hello, this is the building that we were supposed to own, but, you, <laughs> but you've got it now. Well, precisely. And I thought, oh, oh no, this is going to be tricky. Anyway, they were fine. And um, they, I, I mean, to be fair, I think that they, they would have struggled to have it to have restored it. That's not to say it couldn't have been done, and but it did, it did give me a funny feeling because I was asking them about their time and they were, this could have been their home. So, <laughs> yeah. anyway. Well, we've, we've set it up in a museum that is now, and more importantly, you've got the plans of what it was going to be. <laughs> yes. So it's not like you've forgotten what's going on, no, so that's, that's for right. sure. Oh, sure, it's been brilliant to come back here and talk to you about the museum and your exhibitions coming out. I'm very excited to see these for myself. I'm, I'm really hoping that uh, the listeners who are listening in will come and have a look at the museum, as always. It is a brilliant site to come to so um look out for Stuart because he's full of information <laughs> he's the knowledge of all of Bath as you'll find <laughs> uh Stuart thanks again for having me not, not at all yeah I'll see you next time <laughs> okay.